from the International Gospel Hour today, well, friends, it is said that those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So today we're going to turn back the pages of God's Word and visit a prophet of old as we talk about Message Then, Message Now. Again, that's from the International Gospel Hour. Stay tuned. On Jordan's Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For almost 90 years, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour, starting now. I am bound for the promised land. Thank you to our Jay Webb for his kind introduction and words, and you'll hear from Jay throughout our broadcast. And a big hello and greetings to all of you who've tuned in today for our broadcast from the International Gospel Hour. Since 1934, we've been on the air or online in recent years, and we're grateful that you've joined us in whatever mode you are using. We appreciate those of you who pursue truth, the truth that is God's Word, as noted from John 8, 31 and 32. When Jesus said to the Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My words, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So today, kind friends, let us pursue truth as we study the Word of God together. In Romans 15 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul said, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. The things that were written before, as we note within this context, will be referring to those things of what we would refer to as the Old Testament, the Law, the Prophets, the Old Covenant, and how these things were written for our learning. We learn from experience. We learn from history. And that through the patience, the endurance, the pressing onward and comfort of the Scriptures, we might have hope. When I look back, for example, at the account of Adam and Eve in the garden, I learn that if I fail to obey God, that I will be punished or sent away. That if I fail God, He will forgive me. And I also see the power of Satan and how he can tempt and how strong the tempter is. You see, I can learn from these experiences and then help me to be what I need to be and what I need to become. Today we want to look at a prophet of old by the name of Amos. There are some wonderful lessons in this great prophecy of Amos, the prophet of God, and what he declared unto God's people during that time. The Bible, or the book rather, simply begins, Amos 1 and verse 1, the words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. So he is writing to the divided kingdom. Uzziah, king of Judah, the days of Jeroboam, king of Israel. And we learn a little bit about Amos' background. For example, his name means burden bearer. He is known as the country preacher due to his work as a herdman, as we see here in verse 1. 
and also a dresser of sycamore trees, Amos 7 and verse 14. Now, we're going to look a little bit more at his work and what he did with his employment, if you will, as we continue our broadcast, because those are very important points. Now, the book is believed to be written about 786 to 742 B.C., and that would be within the range of Uzziah from 787 to 735, and Jeroboam 2, 790 to 749, and even Hezekiah, 726 to 697. Now, I quickly mention these dates because it is of interest that here's a little side note that we learn from the prophets of God. When we see to whom he is writing, and we see at the time that they were in their reign in both Israel and Judah, and even history backs it up, that strengthens the power and the accuracy of the Word of God, the Holy Bible. Now, a simple perusal of the writings concerning the history of Israel and Judah at this time, during the reigns of these kings, you'll notice some striking similarities to the 21st century. That's right, friends, today. You will notice things there, things that are written about, are even true to this day. For example, Listen to just a simple perusal of the prophets, the as we would call them, the minor prophets or the shorter prophets because of their length of writings in the latter part of the Old Testament. Here's what you find. Materialism is up. Morality is down. There are two different reigns in the government. Religion is just enough God and arrogance that they were the nation under God, that being Israel. Now, friends, let me ask you, does that sound familiar? Could we say, and we know we're heard worldwide, but can we agree that no matter where we are in the world, materialism seems to be up, more that we can desire, more that we want of the physical nature? Morality is down as we see attitudes and we see lifestyle changes that totally go against God and His Word. Well, I can speak on behalf of America, two different reigns in the government, and we even find throughout the world that individuals oppose each other because of two different or more different parties, if you will. Religion is just enough God. People want to have just enough God in their life to say that they are religious, or even there are some that do not claim a religion, which in essence becomes their religion, Or there are those that want to pursue their so-called spiritual journey, which is the journey they decide rather than what God would direct, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. And then the arrogance that they were the nation under God. And how, well, here's where we are, so we can do whatever we want. God will be there to catch our back. But dear friends, we can look throughout the Old Testament and learn that God would rebuke His people who turned against Him. Friends, does all this sound familiar? It has to. And among all of that going on then, there was one simple common man that God brought forth to proclaim his message that is pertinent then, or was pertinent then, and just as pertinent now. When we find that Amos is coming forth with a message on behalf of God, then here's the message then and the message now that we as simple, common, everyday people created in God's image, that we take these messages and we make them important in our lives and important in others' lives and speak on behalf of God. These are things we're going to learn today from Amos 
Let's be reminded of a message then and a message now. I'll be back in just a moment as we continue our study from the book of Amos. We at International Gospel Hour appreciate our co-laborers at HouseToHouse.com, an outstanding website with topic research, free materials, and an excellent media section. Check it out today at HouseToHouse.com, and please request a free copy of House to House Heart to Heart. May this be of aid in your studies. Message then, message now from the book of Amos. Here's our first one. The phrase, thus saith the Lord, or thus says the Lord. When you notice how many times that phrase is brought forth in the book of Amos, thus saith the Lord is mentioned 13 times. Simply saith the Lord is overall expressed 43 times. Saith the Lord was the exact message in Amos's day. He is bringing forth what the Lord says. And when he says, Thus saith the Lord, or simply, Saith the Lord, Amos is putting the affirmation of to whom he is speaking and to whom he is representing. Now, this saith the Lord phrase is expressed with the statement, For three transgressions and for four. Now, that's an interesting statement. It is a phrase that we find in verses, or rather chapters 1 and 2, for three transgressions and for four, and in researching this phrase, it expresses the severity of sinful living and abominations unto God. He brings forth the impending punishment upon the heathen nations that were totally against God. They were comprised, let's go to Amos 1, Damascus in verses 3 through 5, Philistia in verses 6 through 8, Tyre in verses 9 and 10, Edom in 11 and 12, Ammon in 13 through 15, and Moab verses 1 through 3. The impending punishment upon them was imminent. Their oppression of God's people, but more so their influence upon Israel, had turned Israel from God. And God was not going to forget those that would bring punishment upon His people. How about for three transgressions and for four also apply to the divided kingdoms of Judah, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and Israel, chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. They had once followed God, but now they were engaging in the actions of the heathens around them, these nations, and even oppressing their own people. Now, folks, let's just grasp this for a moment. Not only was Amos dealing with those that were against God to begin with, but he was also going upon those who had turned from God. The wickedness of Judah, the wickedness of Israel, who had turned from God. In other words, it's amazing how the oppression of the heathen nations affected them so much that in turn they were oppressing their very own. It is astounding shows us how powerful Satan truly is. And that's why we find Amos coming forth. Thus saith the Lord, simply saith the Lord. He brought forth these to warn them. Here's what God is saying, and here's what's going to happen. Well, let's put an application today. Like Amos, our answers to the world should always have a thus saith the Lord as we search the Scriptures for the answers God provides. So many times we engage in conversation, 
And we say, well, you know, I know what the Bible says, but here's what I think. Friends, we need to stop thinking about what the Bible says. And when the Bible says it, we need to believe it and accept it. When we bring forth, well, I know what the Bible says, but now we're going to start sliding our thought into it and to make our thought binding. You see, that's going to make us just like Israel and Judah of old. Now, when the world comes forward with their oppression, and we come back with the thus saith the Lord, they may not even regard it, and they may not listen, but we do have somewhere wherein to stand and let them know. You're not going to get away with how you're living. So, like Amos, let our answers always have a thus saith the Lord. How do we do so? How, how can we come forth with a thus saith the Lord with our knowledge of Scripture? A great example is in Acts 17, verses 10 and 11. When the Bible says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether those things were so. Friends, you're listening to our broadcast from the International Gospel Hour. We know of the hundreds that download our broadcast, even into the thousands. People that set their time to listen to us on radio each week or every day. It's because you want to know more of the Word of God. But we would encourage you to search the Scriptures, to have your Bible handy, to make a note, to write down, and then search the Scriptures whether those things were so. How many people are sitting today as Christians because they search the Scriptures over something that initially they may not have agreed with, but in their study they realized that the truth stood forth? We need to search the Scriptures. And the only thing to correct the sinful lives of people is to know the Lord, and we can only know the Lord through His Word. Psalm 119.105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're reminded of John 12, verse 48, when Jesus says, He that rejects me and receives not my words will have the one that will judge him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. We know from 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is given of inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete or perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God is sufficient to guide and to lead us. I think of John 6, verses 66-69, through 69, when many of the disciples of Christ went back and walked with Him no more, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Dear friends, the Word of God will assure us that He is the Son of the living God, and we can stand firmly on a thus saith the Lord. Message then, message now, Consider number two. From Amos 8 and verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine on the land. Now, in Amos's day, the famine was not going to be bread or water, as he stated, but a famine of the words of the Lord. And Israel and Judah would realize something so true in history 
that you do not miss something until it is gone. And the opportunity for Israel to hear God's word through Amos and change their lives was slowly departing. Friends, do we not see this today in our nations? These words are being avoided at all cost. The words of God. There's a famine in the land of hearing the words of the Lord. We need to make certain that we are serving up the great spiritual food of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, as we learn of Him in John six thirty three through 35 and He is the water of life, John four ten and verse 14. You know, it seems that any mention of God in this day and age bothers this person or that person. Well, friends, I'm not surprised because John said of the Christian, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness, 1 John five nineteen. So I'm not surprised when people are bothered by the things of God because, again, it affects how they're living. It is worthy to note that we need to avoid this famine of hearing the word of the Lord. Romans 10:17 tells us, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's think about a few things of which the word of God is clear, but how the world confuses them. For example, how about the church? You know, it's been well documented and sadly that church membership in America, long declared as one nation under God, as a percentage of the population, is now at a record low, down more than 20 points in the 21st century, according to a recent article from the Christian Post titled, What's Behind America's Great Dechurching, written by John Stone Street and Jean Shane Morris. Friends, when we find that in America... How church membership is at a low. That's tragic. Maybe we need to be called back to God's word in this land of spiritual famine by being reminded about what the Bible teaches of the church. Let me share some things with you that, folks, I'll be honest with you, religious people sometimes don't grasp. When I look in the Bible, I find that the church is pre-denominational. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, Paul pled with them to have no divisions among them. When I say the church is pre-denominational, the church that we read of in the New Testament, that is the church of which we need to be a part. It is the pre-denominational body of Jesus Christ. No denominations existed in the first century. We cannot honestly say, you pick your denomination and I pick mine. We need to make certain that we are a member of the church we read of in the New Testament, the pre-denominational body of Jesus Christ. Somebody will say, well, we're non-denominational. Well, friends, we've learned that definition simply means we don't concur with the Baptist Convention or the Methodist Guidelines or whatever. We're non-denominational. Now, there's nothing wrong with being non-denominational, but I submit to you folks, let's go back a little further and make sure that our churches are pre-denominational according to the church we read of in the New Testament where it speaks that there is one head, and that is Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. There is no human on this earth who has the authority to be the head over any church. And friends, if you find there's a human head over the church of which you are a part, then you better hightail it out of there, as we say, where I'm from in the South in America. Which means, you better get out of there quickly and move fast away from it. But to be a part of the church that has Jesus Christ as his head and not afraid to declare it, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. The church has no creed but the Bible only, Second John 9-11. through We are going to abide by those that walk in the doctrine of Christ, and if they fail to do so, then we will not have a part. The church is identified by a Bible name. 
When I look at Romans 16, 16, I see an identifying name, Churches of Christ. When I look in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, I see an identifying name, Church of God, and there are others that identify the church. But dear friends, we must make certain that the church is identified, I'm sorry, is identified by a Bible name. And to make certain that if we're going to have that Bible name, then next we're going to be organized by the New Testament pattern of authority. That is Philippians 1 and verse 1. There were bishops or elders or shepherds or overseers or pastors over the church, a plurality of men. And there were deacons that served. There were evangelists that proclaimed. Ministers that served. Ephesians 4.11, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 4. And we find that organization. How about a church that draws men without any amusements? John 12.32, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And a church with a divine vocabulary, 1 Peter 4 and verse 11, a church that speaks forward and says, we speak as the oracles of God. Yes, friends, we need to make a challenge to bring us back to the church that we read of in the New Testament. And you know the words, a generation away from apostasy, that phrase rings so true. When you concern yourselves or concerning rather the spiritual famine of Israel, the youth would faint, and usually the younger ones can endure more health-wise. But when there is a spiritual famine, everyone suffers. But it's interesting to see the statement toward the youth of Israel in Amos 8 and verse 13. How the youth would faint. They're usually the stronger ones. And if they would faint or fall by the way, so would others. And all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, penned in Judges 2 and verse 10. What generation? Those that walked with Moses, those that walked with Joshua. All that generation were gathered unto their fathers, they died. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Dear friends, we need to avoid the famine in the land. With that being said, allow me to pause here. We are greatly encouraged when individuals reach out to us and desire Bible study material. They hear things on our broadcast that say, hey, wait a minute, that, that's different from what I would hear elsewhere. Maybe I need to look at this a little bit more. And that's where we use our friends and churches of Christ, possibly around your area, to help us in reaching out with material that you can study in the privacy of your own home. It's absolutely free. You'll never hear us ask for a dime of your money through our broadcast here from International Gospel Hour. So I'm going to pause, and here is our J-Webb to tell you how you can receive your free Bible study course available by mail. Friends, the International Gospel Hour offers for free a Bible study course available by mail. That's right. At your own pace, you can study the Bible in your own home. It's free. Give it a try. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. That's it. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Home Study in the message box. We'll send it right away. Thank you for your interest in the things that be of God. And now, friends, message then, message now. Let's briefly bring this one up, but you may hear this a little further in a future broadcast. 
How about the phrase from Amos 4, verse 6, and verses 8 through 11? Yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. You know, no matter the choice of Israel and Judah and following their sinful, erroneous ways, God lets them know that through Amos, He, God the Father, has the greater blessings and the greater fulfillment of life. These things we know of from Matthew six nineteen through 21, that our treasures are to be laid up in heaven. And those that are Christians will lay up treasure in heaven. Not only here of Matthew six nineteen through 21, but they'll seek the things which are above, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. When Amos had a confrontation with Amaziah, he gave a brief resume of his work that he was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. We are going to look at these phrases in a future broadcast, but let me say this much. When you see the idea of a gatherer of sycamore fruit and the phrase, as I followed the flock from Amos seven fourteen and 15, you see a work ethic that Amos is the right man to purge and to clean out, if you will, the dead wood or to keep things away from the flock as a spiritual leader of God's people. So a quick lesson to grasp here is we need to remove the dead word and the dead wood, shall I say, in our lives known as sin. You see, friends, when I say dead word, I've got to repent and change that and make it accurate. Well, it's the same with our lives. We need to prune out the things in our lives that would hinder our growth in Christ. Hebrews 12, verse 1, and 1 Peter 5, 7. Maybe it's time for me to make a change in my life through faith and repentance and confession and baptism into Christ and to be added to that church we talked about. Let's pause here for a moment from our J-Web, and we'll come back and conclude our broadcast. Since 1934, the International Gospel Hour has been heard over the radio, and to God be the glory. We are blessed to remain on the air through gracious giving of congregations of Churches of Christ, faithful Christians, and devoted friends. That's why you will never hear us asking for money from you, our listeners. Our offers of material and study aids are absolutely free. We want you to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. Thank you always for listening. Well, friends, message then and message now still stands true today. Let's continue our studies together at another time. Thank you for joining me today for our broadcast from the International Gospel Hour. I'm Jeff Archie, and friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. To God goes all the glory. And we hope that our study today will draw you closer to His Word to walk in His way. To listen to it again or other broadcasts, please visit our website at internationalgospelhour.com. God be with you.